just the honor of being connected with people all day and hearing about their lives and their experiences, it makes me so grateful for mine. Mm. And not in a comparison, like, oh, my life is better. And so now I feel good about my life, but just like so connected to life in general. Like, wow, human beings are amazing. And when I get off this teletherapy call, even if it was challenging, I'm just so inspired by like resilience. I'm so inspired by what people think and what they feel and what they do and how smart they all are that it energizes me to be a part of my life. What's up, everybody? I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and welcome to episode 23 of Be More Well. Joining me this week is relationship therapist and at Liz Listens on Instagram, Elizabeth Earnshaw. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen. Be More Well is a wellness-focused podcast that started after I found myself looking for inspiration and ways to get my mind and body on a better track. So each week I have conversations with health professionals, educators, musicians, trainers, athletes, and most importantly, people just like you and I. My mission here is to bring you stories from people about how they found their path to wellness, as well as information and inspiration from experts in the field. Just like you, I'm working on becoming the best version of myself, and I hope that you're able to find some insight in these conversations. So I don't know about you, but really since the start of the pandemic, I've started to notice a lot of friends on social media reposting inspirational and meaningful messages. I don't know why it took a global pandemic for us to focus on what's really important in life, but I'm glad that it happened either way. Uh, One of the accounts on Instagram that I really started to see pop up a lot was at Liz Listens. If you haven't been lucky enough to come across this account, it's a lot of inspirational messages and knowledge about love and relationships. In fact, Liz calls it a community of love learners. You know, it's funny. Sometimes I read the posts and I think, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Why didn't I think of that? But that's why I think people and accounts like at Liz Listens are so important. Sometimes it's the most obvious things that we can't see in front of us, and we need people like Liz to point them out. By pure circumstance, I discovered that I actually know Liz's sister, so I reached out and we were able to set up a time to talk. What I really loved about this conversation that you're about to hear with Elizabeth Earnshaw is that I didn't really have much of an agenda. I always like to hear the stories of how people find their calling in life. Hers, by the way, came because of a billboard. Seriously, it's a great story. Don't go anywhere. You definitely want to hear that. But other than that, I just really wanted to talk to her. I knew Liz would be an inspiring person, so I wanted to hear more about her and what she's up to. So I tell you this because our range of topics kind of jumps around a bit. Uh, We'll discuss relationship therapy and how that's so much more than just couples and romantic relationships, Uh, how Liz and her team have grown and how they've embraced the internet, and also how therapists are able to leave work at home and turn off when it's time to go back into their normal life. That's always been something that's fascinated me, right? Like therapists spend all day helping other people deal with their problems. I'd imagine it's so hard to shut that off and leave it at the door when it's time to deal with their own. But Liz explains how she does it. It's really interesting. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Elizabeth Earnshaw, a.k.a. at Liz Listens. Now, before we dive into the conversation, don't forget to subscribe to Be More Well on whatever platform you're listening on right now, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever. Subscribing will make sure you're getting updated on the newest episodes of the podcast. And if you feel like leaving a rating and review, I'd really appreciate that. That's how the podcast powers that be recognize what shows are making an impact and which ones to push out to new listeners. And now here's our conversation. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. I'm so glad we were able to make this happen. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. 
It's so nice to to see your face and connect with you kind of in real life. I know, you know, that's been like the one, I guess, saving grace through all of this is that we have so many video chat options. So it's not just constant phone calls. Like you can actually look at another human being while you're talking to them. Yeah. And it, that's helpful to me because I get distracted when I'm on phone calls. <laughs> Oh, for sure. I can't even tell you how many work calls I've just kind of turned my video off and then taken my dogs for a walk. Like while I'm on the call, because yeah. I'm like, I can't do uh -huh. this. <laughs> yeah. I'm like cleaning the kitchen, organizing things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know this call is definitely not for me, but I have to be on it. So let's make the most of my time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> have you transitioned? I, I know you do a lot of online and sort of telehealth, if you will, stuff with your practice, but have you transition to doing a lot more of that now? Or were you kind of already in that transition before? Yeah, I was doing a little bit of telehealth before, but I was going into my office, you know, every day during the work week. And now I don't go in at all. Some of the therapists at the office still go in and they see people face to face, but I'm doing everything telehealth, which for me is really good because I'm a mom. So it just makes it easier with picking up him, you know, picking him up from school and all of that kind of stuff. One of my neighbors um, is a therapist and I know right at the beginning, she was like, I don't know what to do because the people that I work with, they need me. Like I need to be with them. I don't know what her specialty is. Um, so it was definitely a tough transition for her. She's like being over the phone or, you know, on a video chat just really doesn't do the same trick for my clients. Yeah. So did she figure it out or is she back in the office now? I think she's back in the office a lot more. Her husband is a teacher and they have a young son who I think is turning two very yeah. soon. Um, but he's the husband is teaching online. It's all virtual um, here in the Baltimore area. Um, so he's home. I, I do believe they've brought in their nanny again, though, just to help out during the day um, okay. while they're figuring things out. But I, I do believe she's gone into the office now. So how's Philadelphia doing? I lived in Philly from 99, or I should say in the Philadelphia area from 99 to 2007. And I'll tell you, when I left, I was like, I'm ready to go. Like, I, I've had enough of this. I can move on. But when I go back for a thing once in a while, I love it. It's such a cool city. I, lo I love Philly. I just recently, we moved further. So I live in Westchester now. Oh, okay. So I'm out in the suburbs. But I love Philadelphia. I feel, I mean, I'm sad for it right now because it's certainly suffering in terms of like all the restaurant life and nightlife and all of that kind of stuff. But I love it. It's the best city. I definitely, if I wasn't living in the suburbs, I would want to live back in Philly. It's my favorite city. Where in <laughs> Philadelphia did you live? Near the art museum. Oh, okay. So it's just the most beautiful part of the city. It has the best of both worlds. You can still go out into like a park or by the water and I could easily walk to my office. I mean, it was just, it was ideal. It was so perfect, but you know, I needed grass and stuff for my child. <laughs> <laughs> Which is totally understandable. I think people get that. Yeah. <laughs> I lived on, uh, well, I went to Villanova. So I lived on the main line, oh, if you okay. will, um, for my first four years. And then I kind of moved out into the King of Prussia area because uh, one of my roommates okay. bought a house. So uh, I was like, hey, you got room for me? I'll, I'd like to jump in on this. <laughs> Where did you live on the main line? Um, I, I mean, I lived at school and then I lived in Wayne. Um, just up the road a little bit further away um, from Philadelphia. Um, but the Wayne Chili's, that was my home. That's where I uh, worked and spent most of my weekends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and are you in Baltimore now? Yes. Yep. Okay. Do you live in the city? I do actually. Yeah. Technically in the city. We're, we're close to the, to the edge, like to the county where Towson University is, but we are technically city okay. limits. Yeah. What part of the 
city is that? Uh, it's, I don't really know exactly. I, I hear, or I see signs that say Lake Walker, but it's not really a well-known area. Mm-hmm. We live really close to a place called Belvedere Square. Um, so I just yeah, always okay. kind of say I live near Belvedere Square and that's the easiest way. My cousin way. lives near Belvedere Square, so I know where that is. That's where I was maybe imagining that you lived if it was close to Towson, yeah. but that's a nice area. It is. We got really lucky. We, uh, we just were, went out looking for houses and we kind of, it was right around Halloween too, which is interesting because the neighborhood really owns Halloween. They love it. Oh, like fun. people put out decorations. It's like bigger than Christmas in our neighborhood. So, fun. so we just happened <laughs> to be looking for houses around that time and we popped into this neighborhood and we were like, oh oh my gosh, this is where we need to be. (laughs) Yeah. You were like, this place is fun. We have to be here. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Uh, And I'm such a fan of your sister, by the way. She's just one of my favorite people. I, I, it's funny too, is I hardly know her. Like I I met her because she was dating a friend of mine. And just in, in those few meetings, it was like one of those moments where you meet somebody and you're like, I've, I feel like I need to be around this person. Like, I just like this person. There's a good energy. And that's how I've always felt about Emily. Yes. I mean, I feel that way about Emily. too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Liz, so let's talk a little bit about what you've got going on here. So first of all, I'm going to let you tell people what you do, because I always think that you would do a better job at that than I would. So why don't you tell sure. us a little bit about what you're up to right now and what you're working with? Yeah. So I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I own um, several private practices in the Philadelphia area. So in the city, on the main line, actually, and we're opening a Westchester office. And we focus on helping people have better relationships. So whether it's relationships with family or friends or colleagues, or obviously intimate partnerships as well, um, we like to support people in developing healthier skills so that they aren't living in chaos and conflict with each other constantly. I also run a lot of online programs. So I have an online membership program called Love Lessons 365, where I help people to learn relationship skills, like the stuff that we didn't learn in school that we probably should have. It's interesting because when I see the word relationship, and I think a lot of people would probably be on the same page, you immediately go love relationship, right? But it sounds like there's a lot of people that are looking for help in other ways as well. Like you just said, with friendships and with work. And I just, I wouldn't have, I don't know if I ever would have thought about reaching out to somebody to get help in that world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So most people don't know they're reaching out for that at first, right? You know, they say that they are anxious or they're feeling depressed or they're frustrated or they feel stuck in life. And I'm a relationship therapist. I see everything within like the the system of where you live essentially and whom you're living with. But what I often have found in my work with people is most of the time it boils down to some sort of relationship issue, right? Like I'm miserable at work, but why are you miserable at work? Because you don't have any boundaries with your workplace or because your colleagues um, are rude and you you don't feel like a sense of community. So what can you do to like develop the skills you would need to develop to either make it work there or to potentially be able to have the confidence to leave? Um, so a lot of the time people don't realize that it's a relationship issue and it actually ends up being one. So when they're reaching out to you, if you are you know, specialized in relationships, if they don't realize they're looking for that, how do they even come to you in the first place? Like, how do they filter into what you're doing? Isn't that interesting? People <laughs> bring themselves where they need to go. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I, I am a therapist and we do obviously support sure. people with um, anxiety, depression, self-esteem issues, all of those types of things. But 
we, we take more of a relationship systems-based approach instead of pathological. So traditionally people see a therapist and it's a lot about pathology, which means like diagnosing and saying there's a problem with you. Like you have this problem within you, you're imbalanced, whatever. And when you are trained to look at things within a system a little bit more, you recognize that a lot of that imbalance actually happens because of the environment that you are you are living within and how deeply that impacts people and when people hear that it can be a huge relief it's interesting i went to see an integrative health doctor probably about a year and a half ago now and i i knew there were issues in my workplace and i knew that i was maybe giving too much of myself there and the relationships as you were mentioning weren't very strong it didn't feel like a community but it wasn't until I was really speaking with her that I realized how much that was impacting my overall health as well, you know, mental health, but physical health. I mean, it was creating all this anxiety and all this tension that was making it very difficult for me to take care of myself. And I never would have thought that, say, an office could have that much of an impact on me. Oh, you would be surprised at you'd think most people would be coming in because they are really unhappy with their romantic partnerships sure. or family. A huge majority of people, they they might come in with that. Oh, I'm struggling with my partner or I'm struggling with my mom or whatever. But so often the conversation evolves into talking about work yeah. because people are so impacted by work. But I think we don't feel the, per we don't have permission to like say that necessarily because it's not supposed to be our quote real life. Like, oh, that's just work. I leave at the end of the day. I have my family, I have my friends, I have my life. Um, but we need to integrate that a little bit more because it is your real life. You are there sometimes more than you are at your own home, right? And so it has a huge impact on people. Have you noticed any sort of uptick in people reaching out for this kind of thing since the start of the pandemic? I mean, we're over six months into the pandemic now. Uh, have you noticed any you know increase in that? Yeah, we've, we've definitely had an increase in the number of people reaching out for therapy. Sure. A lot of people that I've worked with personally have felt happier with the current situation with a lot of online work. Um, and then I also have a lot of people who are feeling really unhappy about having to go into work where they feel unsafe and feeling like they don't really know how to navigate that within their mm -hmm. workplace. And a lot of people kind of feeling like violated or disrespected even by their workplace because of it. So it's it's interesting to see that there's really a huge spectrum of experiences. I got to tell you, I mean, I, my primary job is a morning radio show in Baltimore and it's three of us on the show. The other two have never left the studio, but I've been working from home since the very beginning. Mm. They kind of gave me the option. I was like, well, let's try this out and see what happens. And for me, it's been amazing. I mean, the working from home environment is great. I don't feel rushed to get my work done. I don't feel the pressure of being in the office. There's not the other people around that are kind of bringing you down if they're having a bad day. Um, but I do sort of feel sometimes that I'm looked at as kind of weak because my other two partners are there and I'm at mm -hmm. home. So I do feel like an odd, an odd feeling about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense that you would feel that way. And I, I think that this is an interesting time that's opening us up to have to consider that different people thrive in different ways and that that's actually okay. But we're all kind of struggling to normalize that. Like, there is a sense of normal is 
being a normal hard worker, good employee is getting up early, rushing to the office, being there all day, showing my face and leaving. And that might work really well for some people. That might be how they feel organized and contained and connected. And other people might thrive, I mean, myself included. I do much more work when I'm at home, actually. Um, I don't know why, probably the lack of pressure, but some people thrive not having to go to an office. And I think that this is going to open us up to looking at new ways of doing things. Yeah, I don't know if you're on the same page as me, but for me, I also work, I feel like I work a lot more at home, but I don't feel the same pressure for it because I take breaks throughout the day. So if I were in the office, I would feel such pressure to get everything done in the quote unquote eight hour workday, which is never eight hours, but you feel like you've got to get it all done before you can leave. But at home, I can work for a couple hours and take the dogs for a walk. Then I can work for a couple hours, then, you know, have lunch or maybe watch, you know, a TV show or something, then work for a couple. So it's like taking those little breaks relieves so much of that pressure of trying to get everything done for a deadline all the time. Yeah, I agree. I also find that then I can work when I'm actually feeling creative yes. instead of just working when I'm supposed to. Um, and I'm a mom also. So I don't feel like that pressure to rush out the door and go get my son. Like I go get my son when I'm supposed to, but I also know that tonight at 9 PM, if I feel like it, I could do a little bit of work, and but then tomorrow morning I don't have to work. I could take him to school if I want to. And I, I think it just gives me permission to do it in a way that works best with who I am. So how did you, yeah, very much so. I mean, I think being able to pick and choose when I sit down to do work is just so uh, mentally freeing for me. Like I do better work. I'm more productive, all of that, because I have the options and it's been awesome. But how did you find yourself in this situation? How did you end up in this career path? Because based on what we were talking about before we, you know, actually sat down for this interview, this was not like the first choice in your life. No, I ended up here because I saw a billboard that looked interesting to me. <laughs> now, where'd you see the billboard? Because when I think billboards in Philadelphia, all I'm picturing is Wawa, uh, Steven Singer, and strip clubs. Like, that's all I yeah, think. Yeah, it was between, it was probably between <laughs> the penthouse strip club yeah. billboard and the Wawa billboard. <laughs> it's like hoagie fest and change your career. There you go. Penthouse caught my attention, and then I just happened to see That's awesome. No, um, it was on 76 or 676, actually, like when you're going through West, West Philly towards the airport. Okay. I actually had initially went to school to be a teacher and I realized I was terrible at it because <laughs> I got totally overstimulated with like all the kids in the room and I want to be everybody's friend individually and having a deep conversation with one seven-year-old while there's like 20 other seven-year-olds that need your support, it doesn't really work with classroom management. <laughs> so I, I realized that didn't work. I went and I got my degree in organizational development. So like learning how to build and support organizations. Um, and I actually loved that. And then after I graduated, I was like, well, what type of organization is going to hire me? I have no experience. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I still want to work with people. I still want to help people. I had all these ideas. Like, should I go to med school? Maybe I'll be a lawyer and do advocacy work. I was just all over the place. And I was driving down 676 and there was this billboard for Jefferson that said, couples and family therapy program apply now. And I was like, 
oh, I would love that. Like it's an organ, essentially an organization that you're working with, which is a family and it's, it's deep connection and support and children might still be involved. And it just felt like it was the perfect mix of all the things I liked. So I applied and it was the best thing I ever did because I, I could not be happier with my career path. That's amazing. I, I love hearing stories of those, those moments, you know, those signs that are presented to you. And I keep, I keep thinking, I'm like, mine's going to come someday, or maybe it already has. And I just haven't realized that it fully has yet, but I just, I, I think it's awesome that you're just driving and you see that and you realize that's it. Like that's, that's what I need to do right now. Yeah. And it all worked out. I went, I went home. They didn't need you to take a GRE, which I liked even better. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, good. All right. They'll, they'll just care about my personality and not as much about whether I test well. <laughs> so was it kind of, was it like a master's? Is that basically? Yeah, it's, okay. a, it's a master's okay. program. Um, so it's, it's a master's in fam marriage and family therapy. And then, you know, it's super clinical. So for two years straight, you're doing a lot of therapy hours and studying. And I mean, it was, it's a full-time job. You're not allowed to work while you're doing it. You're completely immersed. Um, and then after that, actually, when you become a therapist, you have to get, get a license after that, which means that you have anywhere between three and five years of work you have to do before you're even really allowed to be a licensed therapist. Um, so it's thousands and thousands of hours yeah. before you get to that point. So this was not, I mean, it was a sign, but this was a sign that took you a few years to get through before it really oh, yeah. became the career and the thing that you've got going on now. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, it takes a, a while, um, but it's, it was worth it because it's fulfilling and you get to do interesting things, but yeah, I mean, it's essentially like five to seven years of extra schooling and training and all sorts of stuff before you arrive, I guess, but the journey is what makes it worth it. That's amazing. And how long have you uh, run this practice that you've got going on now? Since 2013. Okay. So yeah. What is that? What are we in now? We're in 2020. How can I forget <laughs> how, that? Yeah. Right. Come on. <laughs> of all the years to forget 2020. <laughs> so is that seven years? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. So we've been open for about seven years now um, in the Philadelphia area. That's awesome. And, and you work with a lot of people too. I mean, it's not just, it's you in a room. I mean, there's a lot of folks that you're working with. I mean, I, so you, for, correct me if I'm wrong and forgive me if I got this wrong. You're like the boss lady of this whole situation, right? Yes. I'm the boss lady. <laughs> <laughs> I, I founded it and I'm the director. And so we have several locations. We just added a location. So there's a new clinical director, which is really amazing. Yeah. Um, we have, we're, we're training people to become therapists now. So we have master's level students that we're training. And then we have, I think about 12 therapists. Um, and we see, you know, anywhere between 200 plus people a week in our wow. offices. Yeah. So we support a lot of people in, in the Philadelphia area. I'm amazed by how much this has grown. I mean, seven years may sound like a lot. And because you've been involved in it for seven years, it may feel like a long time for you, but it's really not a long time. And you've done so much in that seven years. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it feels like it's super slow and it flies by at the same time. Like even just now I was like, wait, what year are we in and how long? 
<laughs> and I met my wife almost seven years ago. And to me, like that has flown by. I can't believe it's been almost seven years. So, you know, just thinking about how much you've accomplished in seven years with this job to the point where you're seeing 200 people a week. I mean, that's it's wild. Yeah. I mean, luckily I have an amazing team. So yeah. that's the reason we're able to see so many people. And I mean, they're wonderful, wonderful therapists. So we're, I'm very lucky to have been connected with such really such wonderful therapists. The online portion of what you do, I'm curious in as well, because I feel like a lot of people have started to shift online, but they're really putting a bigger focus on it now. When did you start working on the online portion? Yeah, maybe like three years ago. I kind started... of ahead of the game a little bit, I would say. Yeah, I've always been a little bit more comfortable with technology. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure if it's just the norm or the norm for me, but I work with a lot of people I mean, I think it's more of a norm these days in general. I, I work with a lot of people who have to travel a lot for work. So, you know, I, I was having clients who one week would be in Philly, but then for work, like they would have to be in like Thailand or like Germany or somewhere in South America. So I, I couldn't just like disappear from their lives. I had to figure out how to make it so they could continue their services when they were working all over the place. Um, and so luckily during this whole pandemic, I was already kind of comfortable with yeah. it. Well, that makes it such a big advantage for you because like I said, I think so many people have realized the importance of being able to do things online, but they didn't realize it until they had to use it. But you were kind of ahead of the game there and you were already utilizing it. So now you kind of have your feet in the water already. Yeah, it was, it was very lucky. Like we already had our systems set up to be able to use online therapy. And most of the therapists had used it to one extent or another. So we just, I mean, it was not through any genius planning. It was just truly lucky that we already had that set up at the time. Don't sell yourself short. It was genius yeah. planning just ahead of time. That's all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll sell myself short on this one. <laughs> And you've also got a really big presence on social media, which to me, I didn't, I don't think I realized all of the positive things that were on social media prior to the pandemic. Like, I think I've seen so much more popping up because people are reposting the good things they're seeing and all that. And I, and that's kind of how I came across your work too, between your sister uh, reposting it, but then seeing other people. And I'm like, I, I know that name. I, I want to find out more about this but you've developed quite a following on there. I mean, I, I don't want to put a number on there, but almost 200,000 followers on Instagram yeah. are checking out your stuff. How did you get to that point? How did you know how to develop that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I think that's it. I think it's a little bit of right place, right time. Sure. And then also consistency. But, you know, when I first did it, I really had never used Instagram. I think once a year I would post like a photo of like a baby or something. <laughs> and I started thinking, you know, I didn't like Instagram because I thought it was kind of just, I just kind of shallow stuff. And I started thinking, well, it could definitely be utilized as a way to spread information that people might want access to. I recognized when I met with clients that there were just basic things that if they knew a little bit more about, they probably wouldn't be in the exact situation they were in, but that when they came to me, they were kind of like beyond that. So it would even be hard for us to, to go back and talk about some of those basic skills or the basic insight that might've helped them. 
And I just thought that everybody should really have access to it, not just people who spend seven years going through like licensure and master's degree and all of that. But really, we should all know, like, these are some nice ways to talk to people. And here are some ways you can get your needs met. And here are some warning signs that the relationship is unhealthy. And it just luckily took off um, with that consistency of sharing that information. That's awesome. I remember hearing somebody in another podcast, um, it was some influencer, and she was saying um, she likes to feed her feed with things that genuinely feed her soul. And it took me a second to really unpack that. But what she's essentially saying is she only follows people on social media that inspire her or that make her feel good. Yeah. And I, th I think you're right, because I, I felt so, so much negativity out there with social media, especially, you know, getting into an election cycle. You just see so much stuff on either side or whatever that there are places like your page or your account that I will come across where I just feel... <sighs> I can exhale. I'm like, this is information that's going to benefit me. Like I can calm down and take a deep breath and learn from that as opposed to getting angry or crazy about something. Yeah, exactly. Like that it doesn't have to always be about something being like in your face intense yeah. and kind of exhausting, right? To continually have that type of stuff be presented in your feed. That's it. I mean, exhausting is a great word to you as I was talking to someone a few weeks ago that is uh just about finished a book about time and how we just don't utilize time the right way. And a big thing is how much social media will take over your brain and how it impacts the way you're thinking and you have to change your thought processes while you're doing it. And, and really it does become exhausting. We were talking about how like, I'll, I'll feel like I didn't do anything in a day, but I'm so tired. And then she'll say, well, well how much time did you spend on social media? And I'm like, probably too much. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. I know. I I've had to really watch myself with that having that as a part of really my work and just being trying to only fill that feed with people that fill me up yeah. and also having to find times where I'm like, I'm not going to check it the rest of the day. Like I get on at 9am, I look at it at 9pm and the rest of the day, I kind of need to like back away from it. I've been kind of doing the same thing. And what's crazy, I don't know if you've found this, but what's crazy is I'll say that, okay, like I'm not going to check it before I go to bed. Next time I look at my phone will be tomorrow morning, but I'll still like occasionally just reach for it and not even realize that I'm reaching for my yeah, phone until it's in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, what, what, why is this in my head right now? Oh, all the time where I'm like, all of a sudden I catch myself and I'm scrolling and I'm like, I'm not even reading this stuff. What am I, why am I scrolling? Oh my God. <laughs> so much of that. There really is. I do love your stuff though on here. I actually brought up your page so I could quote. I love the, um, this is not an apology thread that you put oh, up yeah, a little while so ago. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what I'm saying. Like it's, it's stuff that kind of makes you think a little bit, but it also, when you're done thinking about it, you feel like, okay, I've got a better idea of my life about the world and how I can move forward in a better way. And that's why I appreciate so much of the work that you do on there. Well, thank you. Yeah. And you know, they're all, I, I like that. It's like, you kind of step back and you think about it and you're like, well, maybe I can use this or maybe it doesn't apply to me. Right. Like they're all meant to be suggestions and they work for some people and like you might read some of those faux apology things and think, I don't know, that's how I like to apologize. I'm going to keep doing it. And that's fine too. <laughs> I love the but, <laughs> the but apology. <laughs> we all do that. <laughs> I was just doing one earlier today, as a matter of fact. <laughs> for you, I probably did one today too. 
So I love this, how you've expanded in so many different ways for the eventual world takeover for, uh, by yeah. the way, your social media is at Liz listens in case anybody wants to check that out. Mm, yeah, I haven't said I that yet, say that. <laughs> <laughs> but you're ready to take over the world now with this whole practice and online presence and everything. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want, I I'm really passionate about finding different ways to help people access this type of information. And I recognize that therapy might not be what they want or what they have access to or whatever it is. Um, so putting out programs, free content on Instagram, like I really try to think about all sorts of different touch points for connecting with people. So one thing I like to talk to people about in my podcast, because it's called Be More Well, is really how they get through the day doing what they're doing, but also still focusing on their own wellness. And you're in a profession that fascinates me because you spend much of your time trying to help other people deal with what's going on in their world. So how do you deal with what's going on in yours? Yeah, that's a good question. My husband always says the same thing. He's like, I don't understand how you, <laughs> how you support people all day. And then you're just like, okay, on with my life. <laughs> I think that luckily therapists are equipped with a lot of skills because we're talking about these things with other people all the time. So first of all, I already kind of know how to set boundaries and yes, I support people, but I support people at the capacity that I can. And when that's done, I'm done, right? Like I go pick up my son at the end of the day and I'm done. I'm not like checking emails or calling people or overextending myself or any of those types of things. So I have pretty good boundaries for what it looks like for me to work and what it looks like for me to be in my outside life. I also think that when you are, and you might even feel this way talking to a lot of people through your own job, but like just the honor of being connected with people all day and hearing about their lives and their experiences, it makes me so grateful for mine. And not in a comparison, like, oh, my life is better. And so now I feel good about my life, but just like so connected to life in general, like, wow, human beings are amazing. And when I get off this teletherapy call, even if it was challenging, I'm just so inspired by like resilience. I'm so inspired by what people think and what they feel and what they do and, you know, how smart they all are that it, it energizes me to be a part of my life. I'm sure you have good days and bad days, but I'm yeah. I'm fascinated by the ability to turn it off because even today, mm -hmm. like hypothetically, when this interview is over, we're going to say goodbye and we're going to move on our way. But I can already tell you right now, there's a few points that I will hold on to from this interview that I feel like I screwed up. Like maybe I didn't ask the question the right way or I stuttered through something and that's going to, I'm going to hold on to that for a couple hours. So I imagine talking to people and really diving deep into what's going on in their life that's a hard thing to turn off at the end, is it? Or am I crazy? Yeah, I think initially it was. I think you do learn over time to turn it off. One thing, particularly with the example you gave, like, of course, there are times when I get off a session and I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I say that? Or yeah. <laughs> like, I forgot to ask something, or I think I made something awkward, or I think I was rude or whatever it is. And I, I do think about it, but something that's really important in the profession is recognizing like what pieces of that do you need to take responsibility for and own and do something with. And if there's nothing you can do with it, then how do you let that go? And so 
I often later on go back, if I really believe, oh, this was bad, I should say something, I say something about it. So I kind of release my, I'm like, all right, next week I'll say something about it. And I release myself. And if I find, no, Liz, you're mostly in your head. And if you brought that up again, that person would think that's pretty strange because it wasn't (laughs) that big of a deal. (laughs) Then I really have to use like self-compassion and say, it's okay, we're all kind of strange sometimes. And we all kind of forget to say things we're supposed to say. And I'm just human and I let it go. But I honestly think the ability to do that is because I talk to human beings all day long in the deepest level. And I recognize how similar we all are because of that. And so if I'm not hard on them, I'm not going to be hard on myself. That's a really good way to look at that. I like that attitude because, you know, you have a different profession and we all have different professions, um, but they all kind of come together in certain ways at the same point. You know, I mean, I may overthink a mistake that I think that I did, but look, like you said, we're human. Like we all make mistakes. Like there's, you just got to move on and you just maybe do better next time. I actually think mistakes are what makes people more likable most of the time anyway. <laughs> well, I hope people like this interview then because I'm just... <laughs> yeah. Did you feel like you made a lot of mistakes? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's fine. I'm trying something new today. This is so I am I have been so trained through my career. I'm giving you more information than you probably need, but I've been so trained in my career to ask questions to keep the interview moving. Cause I think in terms mm-hmm. of radio, you know, like radio show, you've got three minutes, whatever it is, to to get what you need out of this person and they're gonna move on to something else, or you know, you're your boss is going to call you up and say, you're talking too much, turn it up. But podcasting is very different. Podcasting is a very free flowing conversation, but I I still go into it with like a list of questions a lot. And I feel like Mm. that makes, that's made some of my interviews sound kind of stale to me. I'm being very picky on myself, obviously, but it makes it kind of sound stale because now I'm just asking questions. We're not having a free flowing conversation. So with yours, I was like, I'm not writing any questions out. Like I've got a couple of bullets of like ideas that I want to, you know, kind of touch on. And I was like, don't write any questions. Let's just talk to Elizabeth Earnshaw today and let's just have a good conversation. So I think I've put extra pressure on myself is what I'm getting to for this. And I hope that it's coming out okay. Yeah. I mean, my experience on the other end is that we've just been kind of talking. Good. That's and all That's all I'm looking for. It's been good to have questions because if there were no questions, then what would we say? See, that's, I'm trying to find the happy balance between having too many questions where it just feels like a scripted interview and having right. just enough where you can really just kind of keep moving and have a good flowing conversation. You know what I mean? From my experience of this call, it's been just enough. Thank God. Let's wrap it up now. And uh, we don't... <laughs> I've always been curious, and you may not want to answer this question. Uh, as a therapist, you're working with people. You're not going to like everybody that comes. Like, are there any people that come in that you're just like, oh, I hate this person. Like, I really don't want to deal with them today. Like, do you ever get in that mode? Honestly, I have not ever disliked one of my clients. Okay. And there have been moments where people are prickly yeah. is what I call them. And in the beginning, that was hard, but that's my stuff, right? Because I'm like, why don't they like me? Or this person's being, are they mad at me? Or I don't want conflict or whatever it is. But honestly, like when you're in therapy, number one, you get to hear people's vulnerabilities. And when we don't like people, it's usually because we don't really know their vulnerabilities, honestly. So we create a caricature of who we think they are and we think they're totally an asshole or we think that they're totally lazy or we think they're totally whatever. And so in my personal life, I have, there are people I have not liked, right? Because 
I get to create a story of who I think they are to fit my own judgments and my own criticisms. But when you're in therapy, you're getting to know like an entire story and in context, almost everyone's behavior makes sense. And so even if someone is a little more like, um, like prickly, like I said, or like withdrawn and harder to connect with, once I know that they have this story, I can make sense of it. And when we can make sense of why people are the way they are, I think that it's easier to find ways to like them and connect with them. And so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've truly liked every single person I've worked with and I've worked with hundreds of people. Um, not to say that there hasn't been moments where I felt uncomfortable or whatever sure. it is, but like deep in my heart, I like them. How do you get through the feelings that you mentioned at the very beginning of that, where you were talking about, you, you internalize it, like, oh, do they not mm -hmm. like me? What am I doing wrong? What's happening here? How do you get through that as a therapist working with someone? So there is a method of therapy that I learned about a, a, several years ago that totally changed things for me, which is called person of the therapist, which is when you actually like allow those parts of you to be a part of therapy mm -hmm. and you help the person to relate with you. So as soon as I learned that I was actually allowed to say, you know, last week when we were meeting for some reason, I felt like you were mad at me and I'm curious was that my perception or was something actually going on? Like that changed everything for me because what would happen is these beautiful conversations where the person would say, yeah, I was mad at you. You know, you did upset me in some capacity. Like you said something that felt insincere or dismissive or whatever it is. Um, or even being able to say, you know, we've been meeting for a while and I, my experience of you is that when you come in the room, you sometimes you criticize me. And that for me is really hard. I'm wondering, is that familiar? Like, has anyone else felt like in your presence criticized by you? And usually that just like creates such a good connection and opens up so many conversations where the person's like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, but yes, like everyone in my family says I'm so critical or no, no one's ever said that before. I wonder what's going on here where I think I have permission to be that way or whatever it is. But as soon as I learned I could do that, it changed everything. I kind of wish that we all had that comfort level to do that in our daily yeah. lives. You know what I mean? Like it's so scary to be honest with someone <laughs> for whatever reason. So you kind of, you, you bubble up and things boil inside just because you're afraid to say, Hey, I feel like you're mad at me. What's going on. You're afraid what the response might be or whatever. So you hold on to that. It'd be so much easier if we could just all do that with each other all the time. I know it really would. And like doing it as a therapist has helped me to do it more in real life. Sure. It's still hard in real life. But I, what I would say to you or anybody listening is that when you do that, the majority of people are actually comforted by it more than discomforted, mm. right? Like people want to feel seen. And most of the time people know that you're seeing their aggression, their criticism, their anger, their tension, and they personally don't know how to express it. And because they don't know how to express it, they're just like walking around as a ball of whatever, like they, they're angry with you or they're annoyed by you, or they think that you're an idiot or whatever it is. And the second you can gently, I mean, obviously don't want to say, Hey, you've been such like a bitch, blah, blah, right. blah. But like the second that you're able to say, I, I feel like something's going on between us, like what's happening. It often gives the other person 
permission to say, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, you see me. Like, you know, you know who I am. You care about me enough to know who I am. It's true. You know, I was going to ask you if you had a really good piece of advice for people, but I feel like you just nailed it on the head right there with that one. So I think we should leave it with that as being the piece of advice that we need. (laughs) Well, Elizabeth Earnshaw, it has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad we finally made this happen. I know I had reached out to your sister months ago um, asking to see if you'd be interested. And she said yes, but I still took forever to get in touch with you. So I'm so glad that you were able to fit me into your busy schedule with hundreds of people coming through the doors of your practices right now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It was such a fun conversation and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Before you hang up, I just want to give you an opportunity to let people know where they can find out more about you or if they're looking for help or if they just want to follow along with what you're doing, what the best places are to go for that. Yeah. So if you're looking for a therapist in Pennsylvania or New Jersey or California, you can find us at www.abetterlifetherapy.com. If you want totally free relationship advice, go to at Liz listens on Instagram. I also have like a newsletter you can sign up for. There is a free Facebook group called learning love where there's thousands of people in it. And essentially we just talk about love all the time and how to make it more functional in your life. And I also run a membership program called Love Lessons 365, where every single month you get a new lesson. So for instance, we might talk about boundary setting for a month and you get like a workbook and a community and um, access to workshops and stuff like that. So if you go to my Instagram account, you can find that it's called Love Lessons 365. Elizabeth Earnshaw, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I hope you have a good day. Big thank you to Elizabeth Earnshaw for joining me today. I hope we can have her on the podcast again sometime in the near future. I don't know. I I think she left the door open, so I I think we'll be able to do that. Uh, If you're looking for some positive information and inspiration, please follow at Liz Listens on Instagram. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And thank you all for checking out episode 23 of Be More Well. I really appreciate you.